Mercedes. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much. I still have my tan, so that means summer's still here, right? Summer is still here, and uh, we are uh, uh, in the summer. The last time we put out an episode was a, a few weeks ago, and you uh, have since picked up golf and a selection of other things. And uh, I uh, wanted to check in. Rollerblading. I think I saw that and you're doing some stuff. So you're (laughs) staying active and doing it. Um, This is it for the travel cast this episode. Um, First and foremost, I have to say, I want to thank you very, very much for giving me your time to do this because I thought uh, I just wanted to change it up from, um, what I was doing before, have a great co-host and um, somebody uh, that uh, can bounce off me. And I thought uh, you, you were great and uh, I couldn't have been happier to have you along for the ride. So thank you so much for all the time and help me build this cast out. It was great. Well, thank you for thinking of me. I've had a blast. Listen to a lot of, well, met. I don't know. Do you meet on a podcast? You meet on met. Zoom. When, oh. when we started, you know, this is how fast the internet has come. No one knew about Zoom in 2019. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we were bouncing around through Zencaster and all these things and clean feed yeah. and shits in, like we're in and out. And almost everything we've done was, you know, early, you know, early. And we've, we've been, in, you know, obviously with the world shutting down a bit, uh, no one's particularly thinking about travel. So it's been a little bit more difficult to have that that weekly flow because there were for a for while sure. people were like don't talk to me about travel i can't go anywhere i'm stuck in my house i know everyone wants to travel but we're stuck but no i've met i thank you because i've met a lot of cool people on uh, on these episodes which has been very fun and i've i've asked stupid questions but I feel like anyone would have asked those questions because they and didn't well, know the and then answers. The, you know, and then you've launched your own, which uh, anyone listening right now, you must go and listen. Um, it's one of the best sounding podcasts. It's fantastic. You've done a great job. Might be that Thank you. uh, your cadence on the mic and that fabulous gear you've got there. But, oh, the, uh, but uh, uh, you're doing great. And uh, I, I couldn't be happier with how it's going for you because I think it's just going to go. Like it's yeah, just I'm excited. You're getting dropping some great, in. great guests dropping in uh, with Mercedes uh, available uh, with Mercedes on the Dean Blundell network as well. Uh, it's yeah. in Cyberland. It's amazing. Um, what what uh, what do you think of podcasting? I mean, I outside, of the, okay, so outside of the ten that we've done plus plus this, your thing. I I I freaking love it. I get to ask all the questions that I want to ask anyone. And sure. it's, it's at my fingertips. It's very, very cool. Um, good collabs on mine with um, some DJs I have in town. And obviously my mom helps with the intro. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I just, it's editing. I didn't think I would like editing, but I'm you've actually. Learned, you've had to learn how to ed- edit on GarageBand. Yeah, right? I'm digging uh, it. And what so kind of, so, my... so this will be the, uh, sorry, the informative podcast series for the next <laughs> one and a half minutes. Uh, yeah. How did you learn how to edit on GarageBand? Because I'm okay, still so, No, so, so um, COVID hit, right? And yeah. I was like, okay, game on. You really got to get this podcast going. It's, it's coming up on a year since Brent sure. and Dean asked you to do this. Giddy yeah. up. And uh, and I had the time. I got, I got laid off from my job and uh, I went on to the library. And went on to this uh, free resource, which is lynda.com, and literally did a course in GarageBand podcast making. Sure. 
And it sound, you sound amazing. Like, I mean, uh, Zoom you. gives us this, like we, we're both on Zoom H6s, not that they've paid us any promotion for this or acknowledge the eight grand that we've given them in business uh, <laughs> over the last, because everyone we're talking to is get the Zoom H6. But um, yeah. it's a, it's been a big help. And you went right to that on the gear wise. And I'm not boring the I listeners with, with gear talk, but I really need you guys to understand that when we talked to Mercedes about it, um, about, about doing your own podcast, it was like, you know, you know, I'm, I'm just some schmuck in a basement in Cloverdale, mm-hmm. but you know, you traveled the world, uh, as an, as you know, for team Canada and you have access to some incredible people like I do, uh, in my profession, mm-hmm. but, uh, yours, I'm like, why aren't you talking to people? Because <laughs> you, you would have a super informative podcast and this is what's happened. I, your podcast is, it sounds fantastic. <laughs> Thank and you. Well, I owe it about, to you. To I your point to about you. questions, to your point about questions, yeah. you get to ask all the questions. So imagine being with that person in a bar and you sit there and you go, and then what? And then what? Yeah. And then what? Totally. And they would go, move away from me. And uh, you're super <laughs> annoying. But on a podcast, they go, ask me anything. Ask, ask, ask. I want to talk. I want to talk. So it really yeah. gives you a thing to do. And um, man, I, I'm so happy for you. I think you've done great. I'm stoked. Yeah. Thank you for being the guinea pig on all the gear. I just went straight to the top. <laughs> oh, right. We went right to it. That's right. That's right. I mean, why are we messing around? Uh, travel for us. We've had some great guests uh, at this point, including this week's guest. Um, but just a quick rundown of what we've done. Uh, obviously, you came on to chat about your world. Uh, we had Paul Feinstein from the podcast, who's on the Dean Blundell Network, to uh, a few times to give us uh, his take on uh, pre COVID and post COVID travel, which was awesome. Um, we had um, Sean Mathias, uh, former NHLer, to talk about travel as an NHL player. Uh, we had Sarah Ayres speaking. Uh, Sarah Ayres uh, speaking of um, the NHL, whose husband had the you know won the feel good story of the year with the NHL, uh, beating the Toronto Maple Leafs. That seems like eight years ago, and it was only COVID. like a couple, just before Christmas. Um, <laughs> You know, we had uh, Addie Bell on from Jet Set Travel to talk about luxury travel, even though no one was is traveling luxurious right now, other than the people Dude, that she can is right now. No, she, she is. is now, I, I follow yeah. her Instagram. I'm like, I want to be where you are. That's right. She <laughs> is doing that, um, and that was a blast uh, to have her. Uh, then we did the future of travel with Paul, and and now we have Ray Zahab, uh, who we tried desperately to have on. Well, we had on. Uh, mm-hmm. user error, speaking of Zencaster and other things, not, not blaming them. I'm blaming my own inability to hit, uh, hit a button, but um, we lost the audio from our first attempt. Yeah. But we were in the YVR airport. You were flying it was loud. away. It was loud and you were flying away and we lost it. And he was planning travel uh, to Antarctica. He had a whole thing planned for, to run 5,000 kilometers uh, in uh, this coming October, which has been moved. So some things had changed in his world, uh, which actually helped us, uh, you know, with this episode, because we were able to kind of revisit what he was wanting to do and how he's had to pivot. So there's your word, yeah. the pivot, pivot. which, uh, which, uh, the you know, pivot. the pivot, uh, <laughs> you know, but I, it was fun. Ray's great. You know, he's a really good interview. He's uh, loves to tell a tale about uh, being a, a world traveler and adventure. What did I, you take? What did you take away from this? I mean, he just has stories for days, and they're not just like, "Oh, there's one time I was at my house." It's like, "Oh, there's one time I was in the Arctic. I was in the <laughs> Southern Hemisphere. I was in the desert." You're just like, "Dude, where have you not been?" 
<laughs> I ha- and uh, the one thing that we didn't get to because um, I just think there's so much more to tell, and I think that he would be a guest, a great guest on on my next series and also yours. So mm-hmm. I'm sure we could go and you know do another hour with him each on that side. I haven't asked him about any uh, adventure stories as far as being chased by wild animals and almost killed because he's been in some wild animal almost killed places. And I was a man. Yeah, and made, solo. And solo. And I was weird. Not I, I was, solo, but not, and solo. And solo. Um, <laughs> but he, but he, he had these kind of play. You know, it was amazing to kind of see where he's been. The Sahara and and Everest. And, oh my God, everywhere. Death Valley. Like who's those? I don't know. He chooses interesting places. We get. Yeah, we could ask him millions of questions. There's a lot, and. um I uh, I was contemplating breaking it up into a couple of episodes, but you know we let it flow, and uh, I want to save some. You know what I mean? I think that we mm-hmm. we did forty five minutes with them, and it was uh, informative, and we we covered off a bunch of stuff, and I think it was a great way to end the travel series. Um, uh, when he was supposed to be at the beginning of the travel series, but it was just mm-hmm. it was just kind of the way it went and to kind of add this travel, to end it with this. Um, if you're not so, first, you're last. If you're not first, you're last. That's right. And there's nothing uh, <laughs> wrong with that uh, as far as uh, how we're ending it, which is really, really cool. Uh, takeaways from, tra- what do you think you learned over these episodes between Sarah, um, Sean and the NHL, like all these other things? What, what What's your kind of takeaway from, from this? Did you learn, did you find yourself educated? on the travel side from this? Yeah, because I asked really great questions. <laughs> I know, I mean, you're the only journalist no, in the room. You're the only journalist in the room. You've done this for a living. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I, um, yeah, like so many different takeaways, obviously, uh, ex NHL player living the life of luxury on the road. Totally. <laughs> I won't forget that. Did you write a letter, right? Did you write a letter to team Canada Did right he? after that and say, Hey, it's, listen. No, it's not team. It's not Team Canada. They treat as well, but not as well as like NHL stars. That's what I'm saying. Did you write? You should have wrote to somebody sitting in a chair somewhere that makes these decisions and said, "Listen, I just did a thing with an NHL guy." (laughs) And these guys, right? What the hell is going on? I don't know. And then I just yeah, it's been um, super interesting. Also, following them all on social media and seeing what they're up to now, uh, especially in the COVID times, and just Mm -hmm. learning how everyone's adapting to it all and how excited everyone is to travel at some point in time. Yeah. Well, we all are getting excited for that. So I, uh, yeah, well, I'm just standing by and pivoting myself and getting through it, but trying to put out episodes. Uh, Mercedes. How many, how many times can we use the word pivot? Well, pivot, we used pivot, it pivot. 17 times in the cast with Ray. So we're going to add it four more times, <laughs> but uh, you, uh, you've got your own word. So that one's mine. Jive. You're jiving. Jive. Um, yeah. Mercedes Nickel, my good friend, a uh, long time, <laughs> Whistler buddy and uh, one of my favorite people in the whole world and and oh, I, uh, I I can't be uh, can't you know leave this without just saying on behalf of um, uh, all of us here with your story uh, and how you've come back and um, and you're an inspiration for loads of people around the world and more people need to pay attention to your story about the comeback <laughs> and and Thank uh, you. and I. To, to have these episodes with you is a, is a great honor for me. And I, uh, I'm so happy that you're doing so great with yours. So tell Thank people you. where they can read more about you and then yeah, where they can, can get to the, to the, if you podcast. haven't heard my story, you can listen to it on dropping in a podcast with Mercedes Nickel episode one. 
Um, you can find me online at Mercedes Nickel, N-I-C-O-L-L, Mercedes, spelt like the car, not the nickel, N-I-C-O-L-L, people. Awesome. This is the final Travelcast episode with my co-host, Mercedes Nickel, and our guest, Ray Zahab. Here we go. You're listening to the Brandon on Tour Travelcast with special co-host and four-time Olympian, Mercedes Nickel. Brought to you by people who travel, people who love to travel, and all things travel. $2. And a Casio. After, After two, two podcasts, podcasts you're probably, probably getting a better idea who he is. But his co-host Mercedes is way cooler than him any day. That might not be what you want to hear. Damn! So keep packing your oversized carry-on. Stop clapping and standing when the plane lands. Stupid idiots! And direct your attention to your travel cast cruise directors. Now here they Now here they Prepare the blast off! Ready to blast off! Knife switch! Main switch on! Welcome back, everybody, to the Brenton on Tour Travel Cast with my very special co-host, Mercedes Nickel. We are back. How are you? I'm good. Been on the golf course, rocking. We are uh, <laughs> joined uh, for a second time, but first time, technically, second time with uh, Ray Zahab, uh, our gentleman, uh, Canadian adventurer and ultra-distance runner, is here to share his tale with us, which we tried to do in 2019 <laughs> before pre the covid pre covid everything's like everything's like pc pre covid or i guess it would be pc pc pre covid post covid or you could post-COVID. do bc you could do before covid yeah right? I don't know. Anyhow. it's it's a weird one mercedes give me a little more uh take your up to uh, about an eight or a nine on your zoom there thanks friend so, um, oh, look at that. Now we're in the same room. Uh, Ray, you, so Andrew. we tried uh, to, you know, have you be as the third uh, episode uh, for the travel cast and um, foiled by technology and then the world shut down. So we thought we'd try again when we're actually going to wrap up the travels, <laughs> the travel cast yeah. uh, with you. Uh, so um, welcome and uh, and welcome back. And um, why don't you uh, say hello to our listeners and tell us a little bit about what uh, what's up, buddy? What you've been up to? Well, well, thank you so much for for doing this again and and for reconnecting. Uh, it's it's great to be back on with you guys. And uh, wow, I mean, so much has changed since we, you know, since we were last on. And you know, so I, I basically for your listeners, I, I'm an adventurer and explorer. That's what I do full time. And so, so typically when people hear that, they, they automatically assume I must be an alpinist or, you know, uh, like an ocean rower or something, but I'm actually, I'm actually an ultra distance runner and, and trekker. So I, I cover geographies on the planet, vast geographies using my feet. And so I, you know, I've ran, for example, I, I ran 7,500 kilometers across the Sahara. I've trekked unsupported to the South Pole, um, numerous Arctic expeditions without any outside help, uh, being totally self-contained with all of my gear with me. And I've ran across many of the large deserts on the planet. So that's kind of like, that's kind of like what I do. And then what I'm passionate about is my foundation, Impossible to Possible, which I t- in which I take young people on expeditions of their own all over the world that are learning based and they are 100% free. Those are the two main things. 
But I think since the last time I spoke with you guys, you know, I've been also guiding quite a bit, which has been really interesting, but we can get into that later on. So do you take grown adults? I do. <laughs> I do. I know. Cause but, I, uh, uh, I went out for my first 10 kilometer run in four months and, uh, that wasn't 5,000 kilometers. Mercedes, what have you been doing? <laughs> Not that much. <laughs> I mean, it's just my jaw drops every time he says everything that he's done. And I'm like, I don't think I've done enough. Um, what have I been doing? Uh, yeah, yeah, Olympics golfing. isn't enough. Like, know, you know, know. it's crazy. It's come on, come on, come on. You know? Hey, yeah, I just saw, <laughs> have you seen the movie? Have you seen the movie Strife? Have you seen that Strike. movie? I'm, no. I'm probably pronouncing it the wrong way. You have to, I know totally snowboarding is your thing, but I mean, you'll appreciate because you're such an epic mountain person is this movie. It's a, it's a Red Bull. It's on Red Bull TV. It's a oh. movie about this, this race on the downhill, on the downhill world cup circuit, which is like the most gnarly of all the races. In and it's the story. Yes, that's the one. Yeah. And it's the story. I watched of that this year. Comparing it. It's crazy. I haven't watched the video, but I watched the race live this year in person. Oh, you were in oh, person. Totally. Yeah, wow, yeah. that's really cool. That's and then I cool. was like, I was like, I think we should try and like snowboard down it. And my cousin was like, no, it's bulletproof ice and really steep. You're just going to go down on your butt. And I was like, kind of keen. And anyway, I got shut down. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say you did it. Because no, I got to go back. Did. I if totally want to. You could do it. If anybody oh, could do it, you'd be the person I'm, to do it. I'm, I do want to film it, and like, I'm pretty sure I'd be on my butt the whole time. It's like so icy. You need the sharpest edges ever. I do want to watch wow. that video, though. Yeah, it's really cool. It's really cool. Ray, you were uh, last time we um, we were together. You were planning for an expedition to the Arctic, and uh, yeah. Mercedes, Mercedes, you were headed to Switzerland. Back when people could do things. Mm-hmm. So. I think you both made it, right? <laughs> you made it to Switzerland and did you, you made it to the Arctic? Yeah, I did. I did. I was in the Arctic and then I was in Siberia literally right after guiding clients on Lake Baikal. And when I got home, I got home like basically February 28th. So do the math, right? Like that's when things really started to get gnarly with COVID. And it was incredible mm-hmm. on my way over there, flying through South Korea. Uh, you know, when we landed in, uh, Irkutsk, Siberia, like South Korea had the airport basically in lockdown almost, right? Like, I mean, it was, it was full on there, but in, what was so interesting in Irkutsk, I'm not sure the population, maybe 300,000 people, they boarded the plane and took everyone's temperature before you could get off the plane. And this was February 14th, February 14th. Valentine's day, temperature check. (laughs) Right. I mean, (laughs) you know, but it's like, it, and then, it, but anyhow, and then this, it just went, it just was like, boom, all of a sudden there we were. Wow. All of a sudden, of a sudden the world shut down. That was it. Yeah. That was it. So then what did, did you head back to Ottawa from there? I did. So I was guiding for a week on Lake Baikal and, um, amazing people, extraordinary times, super duper remote, right? Like, I mean, totally disconnected only satellite so we didn't really know what was going on um so we're a bit apprehensive like were we going to get back out of russia right on the way out like nobody was talking about you know closing borders and whatnot but still you don't know where these things are going to go right and then so by the time i got home part of my team went back to italy they immediately were in lockdown and then by the time i flew back to canada i live in chelsea quebec so I'm very close to Ottawa, about an hour and a half from Montreal. And you know, the COVID situation in Quebec was crazy, right? 
And mm-hmm. so then my daughters were out of school. Now let me think about this. I think the first week of March, they were off for March break. So I got home February right. 28th. First week of March, they're on March break and they never went back. Or, or if they went back, it was a very short period, you know, if I remember right. My so kids start. My kids start tomorrow. They've had the longest March break in the history of March breaks. They start tomorrow. Yeah, mine, mine have gone back. Mine have gone back. But I get, I'm not. You know what? I'm like a bit freaked out about it, right? Because a lot know, of I'm parents are. Them. I'm worried for them. Yeah. You know. My I'm girls worried do, for the like teachers. They're, 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 like mine, mine are uh, absolutely. I'm worried for everybody. Uh, you know, obviously, but you know, just from a like immediately like at home situation for the kids that are there you know there's this there's this myth that it doesn't affect kids well yeah okay maybe it doesn't affect kids as bad but there are kids statistically that do get super sick right and you know uh perish from this and Mm -hmm. so like i don't want to be in that that group you know like it's just terrifying No, you know, it's, it's terrifying to think about, you know, it's gonna be so. interesting two weeks for sure. Like the first two weeks of school, it's going to be yeah. very interesting. Just in Did general, you, I think the teachers aren't ready anyways, but regardless, we'll see how it goes. As it's, we've a been how, it's a kerfuffle. Sorry, go ahead, Mercedes. Yeah. Um, have you been traveling at all since you got home? Who, me? Um, yeah. Yeah, I will in, in Quebec. So, you know, both my daughters, they're 12 and nine. They are uh, the 12 year olds, um, an amazing flat water paddler. So she, she paddles quite a bit. They, they trail run a ton. And so we went fast packing in Charlevoix, uh, which is the mountains east, northeast, if you will, of Quebec City. Two and, questions. Uh, Hold a, on. I have two yeah. questions. What is flat paddling? Yeah. What is flat, flat paddling? paddling? Like, so, so K1, <laughs> like, uh, you know, like like Adam Van Cooper no. style. Flash, oh, like a kayak. Like a kayak. Yeah. So they kayak and they, okay. and they run kayak. in the summer. Those are the two things they do. So we were like, you know, so we went fast packing, which means it's like hiking, but taking gear that's super light. You read and, my mind. That was my second question. Right. And so, <laughs> and so, and so I thought they were, I thought you were combining both words into like flat packing. I thought, yeah, so that's a totally new thing. Like that's a new sport that I've never heard of, but I'm digging it because it sounds like it would be a lot it is of fun. now. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. But uh, so so we went um, so we went hiking around the mountains in Charlevoix, and like we took you know our our gear and our food, and it was awesome. It was just great to get away with our girls in like a COVID friendly adventure in the mountains oh of Quebec God. in our backyard, right? And that's the amazing thing. I mean, there's so much that um, I think people are really okay. Obviously, COVID is a horrendous thing. People are dying. People are sick. People are losing their jobs. There's like, like all my businesses completely shut down. Went from income last year to zero income this year, basically, right? But there's been a lot of upsides, and you know, not upsides, but but there's been moments, right, that you can't deny are or can be awesome. And it's like for for me personally, it's very relative to us as individuals, right? But spending time with my daughters, more time you know, on adventures, doing our own thing. I mean, that's been amazing. We've, we've actually spent way more time together than ever. Cause my job usually takes me away a lot. Like you guys, mm-hmm. I travel a lot. Right. So I've like, never been home. I haven't I think, been home this much in 15 years. <laughs> right. But I think people are, I think people are reconnecting in their relationships and their personal relationships with people, friends, there's more value in friendships, you know, and in that human connection also, I think. And 
you know what? We're rediscovering how friggin' incredible this country is. I mean, there's so That's much true. to do in every <clears throat> province, right? So yeah. our our province has been a joy to be in through this, I have to tell you. Just because, you know, we have the ocean within I have the ocean. Mercedes is an hour mountains. from the ocean. We have mountains, but I got an ocean like about, you know, twenty minutes away from me. She can get down there fast. But um the uh do you miss the um uh, have you rested as your uh, travel uh, wings rested as put for a little well, while? Like have rested, you kind of eliminated I mean, it from your brain the way I have eliminated travel from my brain and said, okay, well, this is what we're doing now. We're doing this. We're not, I'm not really, going to go to the Sahara anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it's a great, it's a great question. And to be honest with you, I, you know, I just kind of sort of let it, it wasn't even something that really I cognitively thought about letting go of, if you dig what I'm saying. Right. So I was just, I was just uh, COVID hit. I'd come off this thing in Siberia. My Arctic expedition was epic. It was totally successful. That was in January. I was stoked I got that done. And I had planned on being in Death Valley and started training uh, as if I was going to Death Valley in July to do a project there, north-south crossing off-road of, oh, yeah. of that between two mountain ranges. I went west to east last year. And a few years ago, I went north to south. But I was going to do a slightly different route. And then following up with that, I was supposed to be doing a major expedition in South America over 5,000 kilometers in October. So obviously mm-hmm. both those trips are canned due to COVID, but, you know. Slash I'm, postponed? I'm like, yeah, postponed. Oh, yeah, totally postponed for sure. You know, <laughs> next year kind of thing, right? And I'm, and I'm looking forward to an, another Arctic, a big Arctic project that I had initially planned to do. I know this is confusing the order of this, but I planned on doing this big Arctic trip in 2022. And I moved it to 2021, hopefully, instead of what I was going to be doing in October. And so, you know, so that's kind of where I'm like, so I'm kind of like refocused, right? And so I'm training and, and. Were you alone? Were you alone? Going to do that alone? Sorry, Mike, back up for a minute. Um, Because the Arctic is pretty desolate. I would imagine if you could train and go up there, it would be, dare I say. So that COVID free. Yeah, in January. Well, yeah, but, but yeah, but no. You never right? know. Because Nunavut, Nunavut is closed and the territories are yeah. closed because yeah. um, there's mm. just a risk of getting COVID up there. And even mm. I would feel horrible to transmit sure. COVID into communities where I have so many friends. And um, I mean, it would just be, it would be a health disaster. And so, mm. you know, I am not concerned at all about having to once again cancel or postpone, even though I am training and preparing like I'm going in February. I have no problem realizing, I mean, this is, this is the situation that we're in, right? Yeah. Listen, it was a funny thing, guys, you know, for me, when this happened, and as it did for many people that lost their jobs, when my income went from income, nothing to worry about to zero, absolute zero, all my businesses. So I, you know, I do a lot of corporate speaking. I organize a series of ultra marathons in, in my community in the Gatineau Park. Um, I guide people on expeditions, all of these things shut down and went to zero and no movement and canceled or postponed as, as Mercedes said. And, um, just being positive there. Yeah, exactly. I could (laughs) have totally stressed about it. Right. But I realized and honestly felt that things will eventually work themselves out. And there's no point in losing sleep and just like, totally being stressed about getting the bills paid because they were either going to get paid or they weren't going to get paid. And there was nothing I could do about it. Right. And so I felt similarly, I felt similarly. I was, I wasn't like stressed. I was like, well, you know what? It is what it is. The pandemic. 
<laughs> it's happening. Yeah. You know, and I just work my ass off on other things, you know? That's yeah. what I ended up doing, exactly. just working my ass off on other things, you know? Exactly, yeah. You pivot. Yeah. Such a, cl- a cliche word right now. Pivot. 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 What about I, I like to use the word jive instead of pivot. He jived. <laughs> Jive. What about putting yeah. the in front of it? The jive. No, the, the pivot. Jive. The pivot or the jive. Either one of them works. <laughs> I think the jive is like, yeah. like it's from my generation. Like I'm the only I... one here that's 50. <laughs> not too far behind you. Just a few years behind. You know what? Not too far yeah, behind. Listen, this is the problem. We put the in front of her. I actually heard somebody the other day called the Facebook. And I, you know oh. what I, and it sounded okay to me to do that. Like, I mean, <laughs> you know, Facebook. The Facebook. well, George Bush started that when he started calling it the internets. So oh right. anyways, the, uh, it's kind of a, it's a wacky time on that side of it, as far as the pivot, uh, or the jive goes Mercedes, <laughs> but, uh, and we're all find a way to adapt. Are you, um, you're staying healthy though, right? Uh, uh, Mercedes for sure. Uh, staying healthy because um, we're trying to stay healthy and and as you said, kind of focus on this eventually going away and easing up so we can get back to somewhat normal life. Uh, while I have both of you on here from the standpoint of like actual uh, your professions and what you're doing, Mercedes, there was a bit of like end of season stuff in Whistler as far as like skiing, snowboarding. Was anybody able to do anything? I know they shut things down, but is there any think any any hope of something opening up that way and then ray to you after mercedes as far as like is there any glimmer of anything that uh, is going to open up in your world before christmas say go ahead so, um i'll i'll start yeah end of season unfortunately i got home march mid-march like march 15th or 16th and the mountain was closed all the chairlifts were done veil closed it Um, and they did end up opening so that you could tour up. And what that means is you, um, you either just hike up in your ski boots or snowboard boots, or you have, um, a split board or touring skis and you can hike up the mountain on a one path, um, staying, uh, COVIDly friendly apart. And, uh, that, that happened for probably like three weeks and then it closed down. Um, people were kind of taking advantage of it and not being COVID friendly. And now we've just heard that Whistler Blackcomb will be opening, uh, November 26th, but they'll have a reservation system. It's similar to what they've done with the bike park this year, which, um, seems to have worked. I don't know exactly how it's going to work, um, this winter on powder days, especially because you have to reserve ahead of time to know what days you're going to be going up the mountain. So it's going to be interesting, but I hope that it's, it's people are going to be able to ski and snowboard and have a good time still. Ray, what about your world? Is there anything opening up that you can get to, or you got to stay within the country? You know, I, we were, we were going to be doing an I2P impossible to possible youth expedition, sort of a, a smaller version of one with a group of youth ambassadors from our foundation in Charlevoix at the end of September. But, you know, right now as things stand, COVID numbers, like the cases were starting to creep up a little bit again. And we just thought, you know, we're not going to take any chances. We just don't want to. We it's, it's just not the time. So we've held off on that, but probably not for me before December. I could see some training trips potentially um and stuff like that to get me ready for my next expedition but i had 
four client expeditions planned for this fall period, Atacama Desert in Chile, uh, the Bolivian Altiplano, Baffin Island, in the Canadian Arctic, et cetera. And they're all postponed until next year. But here's the, here's the upside is that people are excited to travel again when they can. And so yeah. there are a number of people that are so stoked to go on these trips next year. I think we have, at last count, I think we have 35 clients. And remember, we, we take small groups. So we have 35 clients, you know, for trips ranging from mm-hmm. Siberia to Mongolia to these ones in the Atacama Desert. These are remote and difficult trips, and and you wouldn't think that there would be that vast a market, right? People don't want to go and do these things, but people are excited. They want to get out. They want to go and explore and do things. And so I'm I'm really excited for next year, to be honest with you. Yeah. And that's sort of where I'm I'm thinking 2021. That's kind of where I've got my hat at right now, and it's keeping me motivated. You know, keeping my fingers crossed for that one. I know. I, I think people are like jonesing to travel because I am. I know that much. How many people are sitting in their basement right now going, I'm going to climb Everest and this is done and I'm going to call Ray. <laughs> well, <you laughs> I'm, climbing Everest. I'm climbing so, Everest. Fuck it. <laughs> I, you know? remember, I could not believe when we were driving back from Charlevoix back to our place, which is like about a five hour drive, there must have been five billion RVs on the road mm-hmm. going the other way. I could not believe how many people are like, that's like the new, I don't know what it's the new thing of, whatever was the most popular thing in the world before is now RVing. It's yeah. crazy. I did like, a lot of camping. Exploring. I did a lot of camping this summer. Uh, Mercedes, you guys must have been loaded with camping up in Whistler, people coming up to camp. Well, it's just a, such a different dynamic of people that are coming to Whistler. It, it's people that we've never really seen before in the sense mm-hmm. that normally it's like people going up the mountain, hiking, really yeah. athletic. And it's changed to, honestly, the other day I saw a family bring out a rice cooker in the park and they're just like wheeling in all of their their food and eating in the parks and then leaving. It's super weird. It's super different. But it's they're cheap, going to see wow. their own province. It's cheap, fast, and easy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, well, I mean, listen, the, 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 the upside, like the total upside is that people, I think, generally are rediscovering where they live. Mm-hmm. They're getting outside. Um, hopefully they're following the parameters of, you know, all the health guidelines, yada, yada, yada. But most importantly, like as long as you're employing the leave no trace method and getting out there and discovering the awesomeness of the Canadian wilderness, I think it's just a it's a good thing, right? For people. I've been exploring the, my backyard more than I ever have. Everyone's like, have you ever done this hike and this hike? I'm like, nope, haven't seen it. Haven't done it. Pretty much snowboarded for 20 years straight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now I've been able to like go up mountains that I've never been to just hiking. And it's been really eye-opening and beautiful. So Mercedes, I'm going to tell you this and I probably shouldn't, but I'm going to, cause you're going to think it's the funniest thing ever. But my daughters and I and their cousins who are also trail runners, same age, 12 and nine, both our families were like, yeah, you know, we were out. This was a separate trip. We went to Montremblant and we're like, yeah, let's just go trail running, blah, blah. So, you know, we, we ran up to the top of the mountain and then, but I, they have the gondola there, which I've never been on the gondola at Trombla. So we actually took the gondola down the mountain. I respect instead that. Instead of running, right? So no, I, I mean, totally respect we that. ran up the mountain, but then rode the gondola down. And that was like, that was so much fun. We did yeah, that here. Yeah, right on the you just get doesn't. on the gondola and go around and around and around and around <laughs> on the gondola? Because I think I, I can totally do that. If I was a professional <laughs> snowboarder, I would be in the gondola all the time. 
you if you come to Whistler, you can do 13 kilometers of it. You can go up Blackcomb across to Whistler and then down Whistler all in gondolas. <laughs> okay, so the crazy I've been to Whistler many, many times, usually yeah. not in ski season, but I've never been on the gondola. And I have lots of friends in Squamish. And so oh, the gosh, next I'll time have to I get you on the there, gondola. I'm totally gonna have to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, you guys, you guys should podcast from the gondola. There's a well, there's a there's you actually because you're a hiking man. There's a, a hike called the Ascent Trail on Blackcomb that t- you walk up the whole mountain exactly what you did in Tromblon, but quite a bit higher to be honest. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, mm. for sure. <laughs> how far? Um, how far is I, that? How far? I don't know how far it is. It's far. I'll have to fact check that later for you. Um, <laughs> it's like bottom of bottom of Blackcomb to the top, and then you take the gondola down. That's Very legit. Nice. That'd be so much fun. Good on the knees too. Save those. I love I love the running the I love running downhill, but I really liked like just it was it was the perspective. It's it amazing. Like I've been on I've been on gondolas in the Alps and in the Dolomites, and <laughs> it's one thing, but it was just really neat to see, like, get that perspective from here in Quebec in Tremblant. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just uh, it was neat. It was really neat. You'll definitely you'll want to go on the the one that's called the peak. It's called the peak to peak, and then you look down on the trees. There's a one with a glass bottom, and it's a perspective that you've never really seen, like a bird's eye view of the tree. It's really cool. But that glass bottom would be filled up with my throw up. I wouldn't be able to see the trees because I'd be out too much. Did we just find something that you're like not good with? Have you seen have you seen that thing at the Grand Canyon? It's like a glass bridge that goes out and back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can, there's no way I couldn't do that. that I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> I saw something on the internet, speaking of the, and uh, somebody had done one of those, um, same thing, glass bridge. And maybe this might be in like someplace you've been, right? But there's a glass bridge, but it's got like one of those, uh, one of those uh, LED lights on it. Mm-hmm. So you can trick someone that it's breaking and you're going to fall. Yes. Oh, I, saw, shut I saw that up. too. I you saw, saw it, right? Too. And the guys are like, I saw that thing. Yes. Break it, out. it was like a, a viral <laughs> video thing. But it looks like it's at. like Kathmandu or someplace like that. Like, so I don't know. I thought maybe. Wait, and it like one. you push a button and it looks like the glass is breaking. Yeah. It's got this like effect and everything. It's pretty crazy. So and they tape the that. people. Yeah. They tape the people unsuspecting <laughs> the people. <laughs> people having heart attacks basically is what they're doing. Right. I mean, it's as you do, hut. as you do when you're trying to attract people to a giant bridge that will plummet you <laughs> eighty thousand feet to. Uh, <laughs> it's super safe, it. right? It's breaking. It's crazy, um, right? So uh, the, uh, I mean, coming back to just like getting into this. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. being an adventurer and as they as you as you're deemed and all the rest of it. But um, if someone is is literally like adventurous in this regard and they want to kind of follow this path of adventure that you're on or, or some kind of like explore the world the way you have, what would, what would you tell them to do as far as starting, but like what they really need to be prepped for in the big picture, you know, mentally. Well, I mean, and all I, this. I, listen, being, you know, being an adventurer, I think it just means someone who's, you know, desires knowledge of the world they live in right and and it's very experiential and you want to go places and and see things and how the terms on how you decide to explore the world that's sort of what defines the type of adventure that you're going to be or the type of adventure that you're going to do so i choose 
to be in really remote places. I love the challenge of navigation. I love being in deserts in the middle of summer and in the Arctic and colder regions of the planet in the middle of winter. I just, I like being there at those times. And um, look at first steps. I, somebody asked me once, you know, how do I start training for a marathon? And the answer is quite simple. Take your first step of walking, right? Everything begins with small steps and small goals and sooner than later, or sooner or later, you, you know, you pull it all together and you're doing what it is that you want to do. But I'm a big believer in long-term goals, like coming up with an idea, something that you really want to do, and you start living your life towards that goal. You just start to make things happen. I, I, I honestly believe that, that we have the capacity to create our own reality when we're really, you know, when we're working very hard every day and making something happen. It wasn't like I, um, honestly, when I started all this, you know, my background, you know, I was a pretty unhealthy guy, pack a day, two pack a day smoker until I was 30. And, um, you know, no B plan in life, no college degree, nothing. And I just was a very unhappy person. And when I flipped the switch in my own life, thankfully to my brother, John, who inspired me to want to get into the outdoors and try some of the things he was doing, looking for just like a different life and some sort of purpose. I had no idea that it was going to lead me down this road of doing the things that I do now. I was looking for happiness. And it led me eventually from racing mountain bikes and adventure racing to doing ultra marathons. I was never a runner, wasn't my thing. And lo and behold, it became my thing, right? And just one thing begat another. And then I started doing these long expeditions like the running the Sahara project and I just never looked back. So it wasn't like I said to myself, okay, so turns out I can run pretty far, pretty fast and looks like uh, this might be a great way to make a living. It wasn't about that with me. So it was just about finding a purpose or something in my life that I was truly passionate about because I didn't want to, when I was 60, if I made it that far at that point in my life, I wasn't sure, or 70 or whatever, have any regrets in, in not taking any chances in my life because I spent so much time in my life not taking any chances and talking myself out of doing things. So to give you a super duper long answer, I would say, you know, just have an idea or a long-term goal mind, something that you really want to achieve and commit to it. And when those opportunities arise, little things happen that you get you closer to your goal. Don't be afraid to take a chance on them and go for it. Like, how did you get into your first ultra marathon? I just well, learned what those were. Yeah. So I read an article. My brother is this amazing runner and I was racing mountain bikes and um, doing pretty good, loving it. And I was adventure racing and my brother and I are very physically different people. He's a tall, sinewy guy. Like he was exactly what I thought runners were supposed to look like. And I just did not look like that. Anyhow, so when I was racing bikes, I trained on my mountain bike all the time. You know, I took it pretty seriously. And I was racing uh, cross country. Um, and then I moved into 24-hour solos. And I was doing really well at that. And he would go trail running. And then one day I read an article in a magazine about ultra marathons. And I thought, oh, the only reason I read it is I thought, oh, this is something my brother would like. I got to give him this magazine. <laughs> and it was an article about the Yukon Arctic Ultra. Uh, it's a 100-mile race in the Yukon, as the name would indicate. And it takes place in the middle of winter. And they, they have varying distances. You can pick a distance you like. And I picked the 100 miles, running? 160K, running. And I entered this race after reading this article about it because in this article, seriously, was people like any 
person on the street, like normal looking people were the people right. that were featured in this magazine article doing this race. And I thought, what the hell? Like, how is it these people think or know that they can do something like this? And I realized in the moment that maybe ultra distance running was not about, of course, there's a physical aspect, but it's an accepted physical aspect. It's more about your willingness to challenge yourself in some crazy ass way. So I thought, I want to try this and see if I can know about myself what these people know about themselves. And long story short, it was my very first running race ever. I did the 100 mile event and I won it. And <laughs> against all odds, I'd never won anything physical in my entire life. And I thought it's impossible that I could have won this thing. Like I must have took the wrong way, right? Like I just, but <laughs> I did. Lo and behold, I did. And I went on and it, and it, and it, it sparked in me this, I know you're going to think this is corny, but it sparked in me this true uh, philosophy that human beings underestimate themselves physically, mentally, yeah. emotionally. I learned that in that moment. I was like, oh my God, I cannot believe. Like I went into mm -hmm. this crazy zone doing this race. At, like, at the first half of the race, I thought, oh, I'm out of here. It's freezing cold. My legs were killing me. There's no way I'm going to complete this thing. What the hell was I thinking? And then in the second half of the race, after almost quitting, and dropping out, I said to myself and discovered that all I needed to do was think about what I was going to eat at the end of this race and get down this trail as far as I could and as fast as I could, and everything else gave way. And, and Mercedes, I felt like one of you elite alpinists, snowboarders that I see on the Olympics who are like in a deep trance-like state, sort of like weaving back and forth, picturing the course that you're going to go down. Like when I see the downhill skiers and all that, like yeah, the doing that zony yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah. And I was like, vis it's visualizing <laughs> the visualization. So there's yeah. the, that's the science name. So that's what I was doing in this ultra marathon without even realizing I was doing it, but it was like one step ahead all the time. And when I, by the time I finished the race, I had no pain, no fear, felt like a million bucks. All I knew is I wanted to feel that way for the rest of my life. And so I entered my next ultra marathon trying to recapture how I did what I did in that race. And that's what led me to where I am today. Wild. One Ray. step at a time, pal. One step at a time. Yeah. Ray, Ray, I ran 10 kilometers the other day for the first time in four months and I uh, felt great. <laughs> Oh, awesome. <laughs> there you go. That's like but a I was, I'm, I'm a bit. I'm recovering a bit. I got. I went through where'd the you, thing. Uh, I went through the thing. Where'd you I, run? Around my block, and I saw a horse and some cars, and it was uh, it was quite exciting for me to get that done. And but it was my first real run in ten. So, and I look at that, and it's funny um, uh, that we're talking now because I, I um, uh, we're wrapping up. Uh, travel obviously but i've got um i got bill vigors on the life cast coming up and bill was with terry fox uh for oh, a marathon of hoping. and of just time. that one foot in front of the next uh mm -hmm. you know uh hydro pull to hydro pull uh so i mean kudos man and kudos to you know obviously you've got an it's an amazing thing and mercedes's story is just is a, is a just as incredible to me you guys are super inspiring to be able to do that i uh i consider myself at christmas time uh, when mercedes and i were at the airport to be in the best shape of my life and then i went you know i had a bit of i actually you know contracted our friend that uh, took the world down oh, wow. and, I, and i recovered and that's a whole other thing but i'm fine i just like but, but it was a slow recovery that I could I, like from the standpoint of like finally got back out 
and ran this week. And I'm like, hey, there's 10K. And then Ray's like, and then I ran through the Sahara. And then I ran. No way. No, I'm just yeah, saying, like, then, I did, a, then I did an ultra. And I'm like, I've got some work to do. I'll let no, you know when you get to 15K, buddy. Listen, I, I, I have I friends that have, I have friends that have won Ironman competitions and I have friends that have taken yeah. the maximum allowable time to do them, you know, and I've always been more impressed by the maximal uh, allowable time because you're on your feet for so long. It's a very relative thing. And, you know, when we do awesome things in our lives, it's incomparable to, to what anyone else is doing. Cause you can never, ever, ever express what something means to you. We just don't have the words to express yeah. when we, when we feel something like Mercedes, you know, whether you're a medalist or you like totally nail this obscure run mm-hmm. on some mountain that nobody else knows. And you get to the bottom and you're like, I have been legit trying to do that for years and I just did it. And you're mm-hmm. the only person there, but it's like the greatest feeling ever. Right. Like, I don't it's know. True, yeah. I think, are you guys a, a proponent of like, I mean, okay. We, we start or you as athletes start for a reason, obviously Mercedes. Um, I mean, your first Olympics would have been like, the Olympics, but then to do it three more times. And I think it's just such an amazing accomplishment, right? Everything. But uh, I'm also a fan of the journey is the prize. So, 100%. so for me, it's always just about the build. And then if you get the, the reward at the end, the reward probably is finishing with the exception of like, maybe it changes depending on like how well you perform before you want to keep moving forward or whatever it is. But I've always been a huge fan of of the journey is the prize. Um, you guys both have said separate journeys. Uh, do you feel like every single time you do something you've won regardless because of the journey that it took you to get there? Go ahead, Ray. Uh, well, you know, I, I, Sorry, uh, it's so deep. Last time we so, were, uh, so we were for so, drinks. Uh, you in. know what? I, um, yeah, for sure. Listen, I, I've had some close calls. You know, I, I went in a river. Uh, and almost died in on an Arctic expedition one time, could not complete that trip. Another expedition took me four years to plan uh, to tra- uh, traverse the uh, the Kamchatka Peninsula in far east Russia, way eastern Siberia. D- years, tons of dough, logistics, timing, planning, visas. Oh my God, it was a, it was, took us so long. And I got there, I was doing it with a teammate, this expedition, and we spent 15 days, the first 15 days of this expedition, burning through 30 days of food because the snow conditions were so horrible. It, it, you know, with climate change, things have changed completely in this region of Russia that we were trying to, trying to cross. And after crossing over this massive and ridiculously precarious mountain range to the other side, um, to what we felt was gonna be our last 150 easy kilometers to get to the East Coast. We were informed by hunters that an early thaw had happened on the edge of these volcanoes and every one of the rivers that was in this region were open and the expedition was instantly over in a matter of of moments. And I wasn't, I was disappointed for like five minutes. And then I reflected on everything that my teammate and I had gone through to get as far as we did. And it was such an incredible experience. And I knew we made the right call and everything else. So I totally agree with you. Like, I mean, there's been so many circumstances where, and I went home and I was happy. I was satisfied. Like I was honestly not saying I was satisfied to make myself feel better. I was truly 
and legitimately satisfied with what we had achieved and getting as far as we did, given the conditions that we were up against and everything that we had experienced together. So Amazing. I get it. Wild. Yeah, no, I am. I'm just like thinking back and I'm old now. So I get to reflect back on all the things that I did. And honestly, when I was competing, it was just one day at a time one contest at a time, one training session at a time, just trying to better myself. And then, you know, you, you don't normally look back. You're on to the next and on to the next. And I think that's just how the the four Olympics came to fruition for me. You know, you're always wanting to better yourself. And I think that for Ray, that probably stands true to you too. You're, you do an expedition, you want to do another one, you want to do more, you want to go further. Um, and that's just how it, how it went for me. And I don't, yeah, that's crazy times. Yeah. And it's amazing. But now you get to a point, right. Where, you know, you, um, you find a different, it's like you get to a point where you just sort of take perspective on life Mm -hmm. and where you're at in your life. And with the years that you have still to crank it out and have fun and do things that you love to do, what the priorities are. Totally. That's, that's one thing that when you reflect and, and you learn more, um, like, especially in a transitional time, like being an athlete, um, you, yeah, you reflect and you're like, yeah, I really loved that. I was super passionate about that. What am I passionate about now? And you know, it's still sports for me. Like I love sports. I'm not going to run with you, Ray, because it's not a jam. And <laughs> I'll run I'm with like, you about, I'll yeah, run with you about 10 kilometers. I, well, I, I, I was going to say, I only did 10 kilometers by mistake one time in Toronto and I was dying. <laughs> you put a polar bear behind you, you run. Yeah, true, true, true. <laughs> <laughs> Ray, I, uh, I can't thank you enough, Ray, Ray. I can't thank you enough for, for joining us again on this thing. Yes. There's lots to tell. And um, we definitely, I want to have you back on uh, on the Lifecast. I'm sure Mercedes will have you back on hers when she rolls through. So there's lots more tells uh, stories to tell. But I want, before we go, I want to talk about your charity for a minute, if you, if you uh, don't mind uh, letting us know what's going on with uh Okay, with so with Impossible to Possible, we've done... 15 youth-based expeditions to date to places like the Amazon jungle, uh, the Canadian Arctic, um, Bolivia, India, et cetera. And, and what essentially we do with Impossible to Possible is take young people, we call them youth ambassadors, 16 to 21 years of age on learning-based expeditions that are a week to 10 days around the world. So, for example, going into the Amazon jungle of Brazil or Peru and studying ecosystem services or uh, climate change or biodiversity and learning from the indigenous people in the areas that we're in about these issues and perspectives on these issues and then sharing it through curriculum uh, that is uploaded every day live by satellite to thousands of students around the world and the program is 100% free. So obviously we've been affected by COVID. We've had multiple cancellations this year, but um, you know, we're aiming for a really great year next year and um, the youth ambassadors that we had selected this year, we're going to be taking next year. But uh, after that, we'll open up our selection process again. And kids from all over the world come. It's amazing. It's just it's an amazing thing. We love right. it. Can people donate online? They can. So impossible to possible.com. Uh, there is a donation button, I believe, at the top of the website. And, um, or they can contact me. I have a web, uh, you know, our, a website, just my name, raiseahab.com. There's links to all my social media and I'm easily accessible that way. And I can direct any donations or questions or, 
volunteer time or whatever anyone wants to do, I can answer their questions. It's excellent. It's a great time to plan your 21 with Ray around the world. I mean, he's already booked up, it sounds like, but um, we had to push it to 22 well, now. I'm not sure, but it's, uh, but yeah. uh, definitely donate uh, if you can and uh, follow Ray online. Um, I can't thank you enough for joining us, man. That was really great of you to jump back on after I totally screwed up the first one. So <laughs> here we are. And Mercedes, hey, here we are again, wrapping up travel. So thanks uh, for making time today as well, my friend. To, uh, Thank you for having me. Anything, uh, anything uh, at the end here, Ray, that you want to leave our listeners with, and then uh, we'll let you go, buddy. No, that's great. I just, you know, thank you all, and and uh, so much for having me on. And um, stick around for a couple. Like, I want to talk to you after you're done recording. So, but uh, you know, for everybody out there, if you ever have any questions or you want to reach out, I'm easy to get. You have my website, and I get tons of questions about how to get started doing anything, even if it's your first run, whatever. I'm always around. I always answer everyone. I get around to it eventually. I'll call you about running. <laughs> Do it. And then I'll call Mercedes about but running after she about, calls you about yeah, running. Call, you know what? I'm going to call Mercedes about snowboarding. That's what I'm going to do. There we go. Yes. You know? So well, I'm going to swap out. That's amazing, Ray. Right. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it, man. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon, dude. Okay. Catch you later. looking to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness then check out the natural man podcast join me host mike c as we explore all areas of human wellness physical mental and emotional learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health remember your doctor works for you learn biohacks neurohacks ways to improve sleep and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com. It is your favorite girl. That's right. It's the Ali Mars, the one and the only. Everyone else just ain't me. I am the host of Welcome to Mars, a lifestyle podcast where nothing is off the table. I have come a long way from sex and dating and have transformed the new vibe to all things lifestyle. We still talk sex, but I'm more interested in the journey, where people have come from, how they made it, and where they're going. Subscribe or follow to a brand new look and a brand new era. Welcome to Mars. Subscribe or follow on Apple, Spotify, Google, or at theallymars.com. Because even with the new look, I'm still that same bitch you love to hate.